Some of the NBA awards are decided, but some aren't. We're going to look at those. And exactly how good are the second place Eastern Conference Raptors? And finally, we need to give some love for the lottery teams. Which one would you rather be looking towards the future? It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I apologize. Once again, I'm Nick Angstead with the Locked On Mavericks podcast filling in for the great John Corrales. Thank you. Yeah, you're on here like uh, this whole week. You're locked On Nick, maybe? No, we'll just keep it NBA. <laughs> yeah, Locked On NBA sounds a little bit better. So... <laughs> We there's been a lot of ink and talk at words uh, I don't know air spilled about LeBron James trying to win the MVP award is it him is it Giannis we're not debating that because I think you and I both agree it is Giannis I'm a New Orleans guy I don't even think Zion should be rookie of the year we're not going to touch on those awards but there's other awards that are kind of still up for grabs a little bit and are worth talking about as well and that's what we're going to do here in the first segment of the show so should we just kind of dive right on into it here i guess with all right no mvp no rookie of the year who you've got for defensive player of the year nick defensive player of the year is an interesting one this year if you look at past winners um they've usually been the best defensive player on a top three defensive rating team so like last year we'd go bear the jazz were number two in defensive rating year before that it was go bear on the jazz they were number one draymond on the warriors the year before that they were number two Kawhi won it back-to-back years. The Spurs were number one and number three in defensive rating. Year before that, it was Joakim Noah on the Bulls, and they were number two. Mark Gasol on the Grizzlies was number two the year before that. And then Tyson Chandler on the Knicks, if you go all the way all the way back, was uh, the Knicks were number five in defensive rating. So that's a that's a big trend for me. Like that's you have to look at that's what voters are looking for. That's where they're trying to vote. And so the options at that point are the Bucks. They're number one in defensive rating. They have Giannis and Brooke Lopez. I feel like those are their two options. Is there anyone else in the Bucks you'd consider? Probably not. No, and I wouldn't even think it's that close between those two guys. Like when you really look at it and get into some of the numbers too with that. Yeah, yeah. Giannis, I think is 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 you know if you ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, safe to say if you look at um, he gives up forty one point nine percent defense. Like that's a field goal percentage against him against for shots less than six feet. That is like by far the most for that's anyone amazing. who's like played enough games or like had enough possessions to qualify. Yeah, yeah. So Giannis is the Bucks candidate. The Raptors are number two in defensive rating, and I don't even know if you. Can, I mean, can you put Lowry is Siakam there? I don't. I don't even think they have a candidate. No, like, and we'll talk more about them because I'm like really high on this team, but I just don't think they've got enough of a chance to maybe beat out a guy like Giannis. I think there's another front runner for it. And I'm assuming you're going to mention the Lakers next year, looking at them and their defensive rating. Lakers are number three in the NBA in defensive rating. And Anthony Davis is the best defender on that team. Yep. And he's probably going to win in my, like if I had a pick, if I was betting, I would probably pick Anthony Davis because 
if Giannis wins MVP, the Lakers aren't going to get swept in these, right? There's just too much Lakers talk. It's too much. The brand is too strong, right? Uh, to I, borrow from the Bodega Boys, <laughs> like the, it's the brand is too strong to not give the Lakers a award. So that's where I kind of lean towards Anthony Davis on this. It probably should go to Giannis to be like to be fair about this, but get if he's going to get MVP. I can see them, the voters giving the Lakers an award, like you said. They don't. It feels kind of wrong to not give them something, and this is like a weird sort of consolation prize for it. And look, AD's been in the running for this for years, and when Gobert has won it, um, he's kind of been like the runner-up on that sort of thing. So it's it's still deserving, and I don't even if it's kind of a consolation award, I don't think it's like okay, you can really complain that much. Yeah, and LeBron has been the one that's like been trying to push Anthony Davis for. He's the superstar. He's the one that, you know, I'm trying to empower. And I talked about that yesterday in Locked on NBA. But uh, Anthony Davis is what makes that defense work. Like LeBron has been take, picking up, you know, Giannis and Kawhi in some of these big matchups. But Anthony Davis is really, you know, the defensive monster in that group. And honestly, just because the Lakers brand is so big doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it either, right? Like, I yeah, think he's exactly. one of the best defenders in the NBA. He's averaging two um, and a half blocks you, per game. Like, that's very good. Yeah, if you if you had to look outside of those guys though, uh, outside of Giannis and Davis, the Celtics are number four in defensive rating. Can Marcus Smart get some votes? Yeah, he can get some third place votes probably. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you, if you had to rank. I mean, we're being like we're being realistic on it here, you know. Like, yeah, he'll he'll have his name come up, at, but overall, like, no, I think it's between Giannis and I think it's between him and Anthony Davis. And like, those are the two guys. And it's just kind of pick who you want. It's, it, it should be Giannis in my opinion, but I think it will be Anthony Davis who wins. Yeah. The other options I, I thought of were, uh, Miami is number 14. Yep. Bam is a guy that could potentially get some votes. Um, the Clippers are number five in defensive rating. Kawhi Leonard, maybe get some votes and then Gobert and the jazz are number 11. Uh, but Gobert is still really, really good. It'd be hard pressed to win three times in a row though. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. We've seen voters don't like to kind of do that over and over and over again, particularly with MVP. I don't know exactly how much that applies to defensive player of the year. I think that Dwight Howard won three years in a row, didn't he? Is that what it was? Okay. Well, I mean, still, that's also been a little bit too, but yeah, you've, you've kind of seen it. So it's, there's, I guess a different precedent for this award, but I think it's between AD and Giannis. I think that's kind of what it's going to end up being though. Any of those guys we mentioned should get votes and they should be in the conversation. What's what might be a little bit more open. And this one I've got an interesting idea for is six man of the year. You've got the usual candidates in Lou Williams in Montrez Harrell and some others. But what would you think about splitting this award between both Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell? Those are amazing options. I think it'll go to one of those two. They're both averaging 18.7 points it's a game. It's wild. If you, of, it's if, weird that they're both the exact it, same. Also, if you look at their total minutes at the moment we're recording this, Lou Williams has played 1,757 minutes. Montrez Harrell is 1,730 minutes. They, If you look <laughs> at their numbers, it is so eerily close in like everything and they balance each other out like perfectly given their different positions like you've got to give this as a split award in my opinion okay but i'll push back on this if it's sixth man of the year and you give it to teammates isn't it sixth and seventh man the 67th like sixth and seventh <sighs> man right? like you can't do that all right that's kind of fair but like you right? get my thinking <laughs> on this here look there's precedent we've seen rookie of the year split before so that's where i'm kind of yeah. going with it the, the one player I think that's going to have a say in this, and there's a couple other options I'll talk about, but I think Dennis Schroeder with the, the Thunder is going to have He's my third, yeah. This. He's averaging 19 points a game, 3.7 rebounds, 4 assists. 
Uh, and one thing, one stat I looked at for six man that I think um, deserves mentioning is how many clutch games they've played in. Um, Dennis Schroeder has played in 39 of the Thunder's 42 clutch games, which means that he's on the court, you know, closing out games for them. Um, Montrezl Harrell played in 27 out of the 28 for the Clippers. Lou Williams played in 24 out of the 28. Dennis Schroeder is closing out these really close games, and the Thunder have been the best clutch team in the NBA. And I think that should should mean something in this because um, they bring him in and he's you know closing out games for them, and he means a lot to this team. Yeah, no, uh, so I don't disagree with that. He's who I'd have be third. And, like, they're good. You know, they're 40 and 24. I think it's Chris Paul kind of still carrying them a little bit in the clutch, but he's playing a big part of this. And one of the reasons they've worked so well is because of him off the bench kind of lighting it up. So I'm happy to see that you've got him on that list, too, because I definitely have him, but I'm still doing a split award here. Just also, it's weird how eerily similar the numbers are for the first two guys we mentioned. Yeah, it's wild. The three other names that I even considered at all, Derek Rose, I think, for name recognition, and he's actually been really good off the bench for the Pistons. Uh, Goran Dragic for the Heat. He's been pretty good coming off the bench. Um, and then Jordan Clarkson, who came in and pretty much uh, stabilized the Jazz bench after that trade. Um, he won't, He probably won't get any votes, but I think he should at least get a mention. Yeah, so I don't hate that. The other guy I was thinking of was Derek Rose with all of it. Um, and I, he, like you mentioned, he's been really good. Guys that kind of embrace that role like he have as well, I think is something that kind of matters and means a lot. I think part of the issue is he just hasn't played enough games to re- like overall – appearing only in 50 so far, I think kind of hurts his candidacy for that. And he has the most starts of any of those players. He has 15 starts. Yeah. Not that many. No. And like, that's not, that's not a huge deal for everything, particularly, you know, for, for this award and everything we've seen with it. So it should be okay, but yeah, like he'll get mentioned in it again. He's, he's got like the token third place vote guy that you're, you're going to have here. So that was six man of the year. The really interesting one, and you could go any number of directions with this, might be most improved player. Like if some of the others kind of feel decided, you've got it between Anthony Davis and Giannis uh, for defensive player. Six man's probably going to be one of the Clippers guys. MVP's decided, rookies decided. This one is like wide open by comparison, I think. Yeah, I, I could be wide open. I just think it's going to Brandon Ingram. I think that it's always the player that goes from um, from fine, you know, good level player. Like, you know, if you want go one to 10 to go from like a five to like a seven, right? Like it's always yeah. that kind of a player that becomes either an all-star in their first year. And that's Brandon Ingram. Uh, we've seen Paul George, Giannis, Siakam, like you go from, you go from that kind of a jump. And I think it's Brandon Ingram. Um, but what about your boy Luca in this, who went from say, not <laughs> being an all-star last year to like being on the periphery of the MVP conversation? Uh, my constituents over at Lockdown Mavericks would be very <laughs> upset with me. I did not mention Luka Doncic for this. Uh, I think he should be mentioned. I think that the no, gap between the thing that the thing that keeps you know holding me back from saying Luka should be M- be most improved is that the gap between where Brandon Ingram was last year to where he is this year, and where Luka Doncic was last year to where he is this year, it's wider for Brandon Ingram. So that means most improved to me. But if you want to talk about a guy that went from you know borderline All Star to just absolute. Pr- potentially first team all NBA. Like he, he's been incredible. It's a, that's a wild jump for a guy. And the, the level of difficulty for Luca has been greater than Brandon Ingram. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Look, Ingram's kind of remade his game a lot. He's taking about five threes more per game than he was last year. He's shooting it at an incredible percentage. If you're rounding up 39%, that beats his, you know, uh, numbers before. So overall, when the guys do that and kind of become more efficient, I think it really jumps up to three point shooting is important in something like this and increasing that percentage. 
I think is a really big thing, and I think that's really going to help him, and he's probably the front runner for it. But you could even include, although I wouldn't, and I have an argument against it, like even a guy like Pascal Siakam again in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the vein of like when when Steph Curry went from MVP to MVP, where he was like, yeah, or Giannis even, where he went from you know most improved to could have won it two years in a row. Um, another guy that I thought of was Devonte Graham. Yep, that's the other guy. Um, in literally there, from like obscurity to actually, you know, being a starter, or being a pretty good player, at least for the the first half of the year. And then Markel Fultz. Can we talk about the the gap that he oh, made from fair. being unplayable to actually, you know, a playable starting point guard in the league? No, okay, that's what I hadn't thought of. I definitely had Devonte Graham on my list. Also, like they gave Terry Rozier fifty five plus million dollars to play yeah. that role because they didn't think anything of this dude, kind of. And look how good he's been. Um, I hadn't thought about Markel Fultz. That's that's an interesting one. I was thinking someone else in South Florida and Bam Adebayo, first-time mm. All-Star. And when you look at how good he is defensively, and you even brought him up in our Defensive Player of the Year conversation, I think that's certainly something. Yeah, it's almost the same kind of jump as Brandon Ingram. I mean, yeah, he very similar. this year, too. So I think, I, like I said, we're mentioning much more names, many more names in this one than we have before. And I think that's what's kind of intriguing of this. Some of these races decided. We don't need to talk about them like other places are. We're going to talk about the ones that are a little bit more interesting <laughs> here. Um, so we've got two more that are not player awards. Let's do executive first. Do you have won any care in this one or any pick for this one? Can we get a uh, you know after the fact executive of the year for um, for Donnie Nelson for getting Luka Doncic in a trade and Kristaps Porzingis in a trade in the span <laughs> of twelve months? Can he get a post like? Executive of the year, is that possible? Yeah. Also signing like Seth Curry to a long-term deal, Dorian Finney-Smith to a long-term deal, Maxi Kleba. I mean, he just – he had an incredible 12 months. He won't get any votes at all for this season. No. But last year, I think he should have. Yeah, it's one of those things that this is tough to evaluate like in the moment here when it's usually moves that are like three, four years ago, which are kind of like paying off now. Like I would assume this goes to Lawrence Frank with the Clippers yes. getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, but you can make a claim for other guys in this one. I don't know. That's of all of them is the least interesting to me because like, cool, evaluate them on the past 12 months of what they did, who made the biggest signing, the biggest trade. There you go. The other interesting one, and I think this one's kind of limited a little bit, is coach of the year. I've got a very strong thought on this one that will bleed into the next segment, but who do you have for this? I think the ones that we should mention, uh, you know, Coach Budenholzer of the of the Bucks. It usually goes to the team with the best, you know, the best record it goes, you know, goes to the coach. Yep. Um, I think Eric Spolstra, Miami. Yep. Um, from where people projected them to where they are now, the way he's taken that team and coached them. Um, I think Taylor Jenkins in the same light should also yeah, get some same thing. some talk for this for the Grizzlies because uh, we all had them as the second worst team in the NBA, maybe the worst team in the NBA, and now they're they're you know they're pretty much fully in the playoffs. Uh, Billy Donovan in the same way, the way that he's coached that team and how they're so good in crunch time. He can't all go to Chris Paul. Like, he has to get some love too in that. Uh, and then Frank Vogel. I don't know if you give him any kind of handicap for the situation he came <laughs> into and how to navigate this, but also having Jason Kidd sitting behind him <laughs> and Lionel Holland sitting behind him. We all made the little finger jokes about Jason Kidd this past summer, and he's just navigated it with absolutely zero drama and he should get in some kind of an award just for having no coaching drama with the Lakers. It just never happened. No. That, okay. So that's fair. And I think, you know, that's, we, we like to talk about X's and O's and rotations and all of that. But as we've learned from the uh, Brooklyn Nets recently, a lot of it is just managing egos and expectations and kind of getting buy-in from the players. When was the last time you heard LeBron this quiet about his head coach? That's got to say, it's, it's you, like it's LeBron, say the Lakers something. in general. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I get what you're saying with that. And usually it does go to, you know, one of the top uh, like three, four record head coaches. But I think this year you kind of look at it judging against expectations, which is probably how it should be. And things are a little bit differently. I've got to go into Nick Nurse with the Raptors. I with the Raptors. I am enamored with the job that he's done this year, losing Kawhi Leonard, losing Danny Green, and being basically, you know, not as good as last year, but not really missing much of a beat. Yeah, if these guys were campaigning, like if they were politicians, that's the best stump speech, right? Like I went from having the you know Finals MVP and lost him, and now my team is almost even better than they were last year, right? Like you could stand up and make that case, and people would be the most excited about that because. You know, it, it's the best story, I think. Yeah. So let's save that because I want to talk a little bit more about the Raptors in the next segment. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to share with you all one of my favorite little life hacks that I have. You know, free time is tough to come by. You're busy working. You've got a lot going on in your personal life, too. And when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on any sort of personal development. But there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it to you all. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique. It's on your phone, on your tablet, web browser, wherever you need to get it from. Blinkist takes the very best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading lots of books, learning more, constantly growing. And now you can too with Blinkist because it makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or on your lunch break while you exercise wherever you find 15 minutes or so. And 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. And it's got a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had the time to. I absolutely love Blinkist because it helps me get the key takeaways of book in just 15 minutes and all of a sudden I can start incorporating all of those new learnings into my life immediately. And with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your seven-day seven free trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, so we talked about Nick Nurse a little bit in the last segment. I think he's coach of the year. When you look at this Raptors team, which is currently sitting 46 and 18, they're, they're good, and I know you talked about it on the show a, a good bit yesterday about who could beat the Bucks in the East. I mean, this is my pick, I think. Yeah, they're just so well-coached, right? So like well-coached. Like, you watch them, and that's what you like jumps out at me. They've had so many injuries, and the way that they've navigated that, I mean, losing Siakam for like 10 games, losing Marcus Gasol for all the time he's missed, you know, Lowry's missing games here and there. Uh, it's just amazing to see how he takes those end-of-the-bench guys. I mean, it's a very Rick Carlisle thing to do as well, to take these end-of-the-bench obscure guys, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who didn't even get a rookie extension in, in you know, in Brooklyn. Um, you have yep. uh, Chris, Bro Chris uh, Boucher. I almost said Bobby. <laughs> it's okay. That's good. <laughs> almost said Bobby Boucher. Here. Um, to, to have you know guys like that, to have Terrence Davis, an undrafted guy, and to just bring those guys in and make them like really valuable rotation players is, is an amazing thing that uh, he was able to do. And maybe Masai Ujiri should get some love as well for, yeah. uh, 
for executive. Maybe maybe like a fifth place vote. But. Yeah, there you go. Again, those token votes. Like I, I look at this team, and when you watch them, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, so they lost Danny Green, they lost Kawhi Leonard, and their defense has gotten better. It jumped from fifth last season to second Two. this year, and Two. like it's improved. That's nuts losing both of those guys. And when you watch kind of the buy-in he has from his players, like one through 12 on the roster, especially when you contrast it with what went on with the Nets recently, where like they just lost faith in their coach. They didn't really buy into the system and everything he had been saying. And that is the exact opposite here. Screw the X's and O's. Screw all that other stuff. Just getting players to believe in what you're accomplishing in the direction you're heading, I think says a ton about this dude. I remember when he was hired to be the head coach, it's, you know, you, you move on from your, your, your current coach of the year, head coach, and you just elevate the lead assistant. Like, is it really going to be that different? Is anything going to change? And like, oh my God, yes, it has been night and day almost. It feels like from Dwayne Casey. So the job he's done is unbelievable. And you mentioned the injuries. They've had a ton to like every big name on there. Van Vliet's missed time. Lowry's missed time. Siakam's missed time. Uh, Gasol, Abaka, you can just kind of go down the list and watching some of these guys improve e- even more is, is impressive. Like Norm Powell is really good for them this year. <laughs> yeah. Which is something I don't think that Raptors fans even expected, uh, for him to be as good as he's been this year. Nick nurse is the answer for coach of the year. Uh, and it's also might be why the Raptors are able to navigate possibly getting by the bucks or even getting out of the East again, which is wild. They have a better record than they did last year. Uh, they have the second best defense in the entire NBA, and that's going to help you in the playoffs. And all you need is a really good defense and you need a guy to get a bucket. And they have two of those at least, and maybe even three, if you count Fred Van Vliet, who's proved in the finals that he can hit shots. You have Siakam, you have Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, possibly uh, those are your bucket getters. And you also have defenders. And you have guys randomly that can show up big in games. You know, Norman Powell, you know, th- at the end of the bench guys I just mentioned, like one of those guys will have good games here and there. And that's all they need. And boom, like all of a sudden you have the makings of potentially a finals team, which is just wild to think about seeing as where we were, you know, not six months ago. Yeah, e- exactly. So do you, let me ask you this. Do you trust this team a little bit more in the playoffs than you would the Bucks? That's tough because... Yeah, I know. That's like not a fair question. I get it. (laughs) I know. I made the case for the Lakers the other day, like one case for the Lakers to be, you know, a team that is either the favorites or that people should trust in the playoffs is that they have guys with experience. They have all these different guys, LeBron and the other guys don't. And if you think about the Bucs, how many of those guys actually have real playoff experience? I think Kyle Korver and George Hill are the only ones that have been to the finals. And if you look at the Raptors team, they've all been to the finals. They were just there. They they were just there. Right. So they, they've all pretty much been there, except for some of their newer guys. Uh, Pat McCaw has three titles. I mean, that's the most experience <laughs> you're going to get from from anybody. Uh, I do kind of trust this team a little bit more than the Bucks, And that's just, you know, man, I don't even know if that's fair because of how good the Bucks have been this year. That's but it's the just thing. An it's, intuition. It's, like, that's what I feel. No, I get it. And I'm kind of the same way with you. And it, look, it's not a fair question. But it's like kind of based off a feel thing watching this team. I mean, you look at them and they are so flexible in what they can do. You know, they can throw different zone looks at you. They can switch on pick and rolls or they cannot switch. And And like, yeah, they can do all of these different things, which like, okay, I like that. And having that adaptability, I think, goes a long way. So basically, I think we're all like Raptors fans now is probably how I sound talking about them. But like, they're good. And I have a little bit of a bias with the Raptors because... I watched the Mavericks get absolutely destroyed. They were up 30 in a game and the Raptors came all the way back on them and beat them. And so that, that to me just, I looked at it and 
I said, Lowry's an all-star. This team is amazing. They're going to they're gonna go win the finals again because that was one of the most amazing things I saw this year. No, and you mentioned it. They have bucket getters. They can play defense. They're a good team. And yeah, that's, it. you know, I'm piggybacking off your conversation uh, yesterday on this. But like, that's who I really like um, potentially coming out of the East. And I just trust a little bit more for everything. So there we go. We've talked about good teams, good coaches, good, you know, players on good teams. Um, but coming up here in the next segment, we want to make sure we hit on the other guys. You want to listen to the show too. We've got some love for you. But before we get to that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts from. Here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know around the association. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Tell a friend and please leave a five-star review. So Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, so we've talked about good teams. Let's look at some teams with, I don't want to call them bad teams, but teams with opportunities. Let's be be positive in the language here. So lot, lottery teams. <laughs> I've I've been a former manager with people working under me. You don't tell people what they what they're bad at. Yeah. You just say that you've got opportunities to to improve. You've room to grow. You yeah, exactly. Grow. So we're gonna look at teams. You show men, you show much potential. That's what all my teachers showed told me in school. You're oh, and I totally believe you're living up to it, Nick. Um, <laughs> so teams with room to grow, and I think that's a great way to look at it. So let's take out like the top four teams fighting kind of to be out of the lottery. So let's like remove New Orleans, Sacramento, Portland, and San Antonio. If you want to keep Phoenix in there, we can. Um, and look at like the rest of them. So the current way the lottery standings are right now, it's Golden State, Cleveland, Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington, and then Phoenix in the top 10. Feel good about any of the futures for some of those teams? Yeah, if you're just looking at the teams that have basically less than 26 wins and then even the Suns, uh, I think... <laughs> Man, there's a bunch of teams. So first off, I think Golden State. They're just a very unique team in this situation. This is weird. You you like their immediate future better than any of the other teams. I mean, hands down, they have they have an MVP on their team right now. They have you know guys that have been to the finals. They have a, a three player core that's just amazing, right? Um, you like their immediate future, but their future future going you know let's say five years from now, uh, I don't like it as much as some of these other teams because those guys are going to be aging. Uh, they're get, make they're gonna make a ton of money. Their their luxury tax situation is gonna be wild. Uh, I don't know if I like betting on Andrew Wiggins to be a guy that helps boost them. Um, <laughs> but you obviously pick them in the short term, like the next four years, right? Like that would be the yeah. Team. Of course, I definitely agree with that. So you look into the you look into the future, and you have Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are two really interesting young players you know, that they have for a little while. Um, Atlanta with Trey Young, John Collins, and all those young guys. Um, DeAndre Hunter, you have. Uh, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish has looked pretty good recently. They seem like if you were to pick one team, it'd be kind of gravitating towards Atlanta. I love Trey Young. I love John Collins. That seems to make a lot of sense, except like I wonder if you're going to get a good defensive team from them ever. Like they have been so bad on that side of the ball. It actually scares me like just a little bit from thinking they have a very, very good young core there. Well, if you look at the personnel, I mean, Trey Young defensively i mean he's, he's never getting any defensive yeah. player of the year votes ever like not ever. even <laughs> thinking about it um or all defense but john collins also not necessarily the greatest defender their personnel has not been such that they can be a decent defense uh but deandre hunter cam reddish like those guys when they eventually grow into their roles if those guys do pan out those are two guys you can trust to defend you know to be good defenders in the future so they, they need to add they really need to add a defensive center. And they got Clint Capella, which we have not who we have not seen yet. And so yep. that's a guy that 
um, you know, could change that. They could be a different looking team next year if those two young wings grow into their role and if Clint Capella really settles into a good defensive role with them too. Yeah, could I sell you on the New York Knicks having a bright future in no. any capacity? You Hold on, hold on. Listen to what I'm offering here, man. <laughs> I've got a 2020 first-round pick from the, the Clippers. We've got a 2021 first-round pick from Dallas, a 2023 first-round pick from Dallas as well, and a 2021 first-round from the Clippers depending on because uh, of the pick swap. So interested with, you know, it being New York, they'll have some cap space when they get rid of all the power forwards that they sign to short-term deals. And then a bevy of picks. Who's making the picks? Yeah. Okay. We can just cross them right off that right? list like, right I, now. I, I hate to no, just, I know. Hate I'm really with you. crap on the Knicks again, but all those picks don't mean anything unless you actually make good decisions with them. And they just haven't proven that they can do that. When when they announced that they're spinning off like MSG and the sports teams do their own thing, and it's like, and James Dolan is still in control, and you're like, cool, whatever, goodbye. Um, do you like anything about Detroit? Blake Griffin coming back. Uh, Seiko Dumbuya has been interesting. Um, Luke Kennard was in trade talks, which is kind of weird. He was good until um, he got hurt. They'll get a good pick. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not yeah, super you, you, high on their future, but. They have some interesting pieces. Yeah, you sound you sounded really exciting there. I mean, yeah. So if we have to pick one, what would like if oh you know Charlotte's kind of gone with the youth movement. They've got Devonte Graham. I think that looks pretty good. I'm assuming we want nothing to do with Washington unless you're like a GM looking forward to doing a complete rebuild and trading away everyone and like stripping that thing down to be studs. Chicago are they moving to Japan, right? Like are, <laughs> are they moving their team to Japan? Because if they do, then they potentially have uh, one of the best highest you know attended games ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think in the short term, it's very clearly golden state, but long term, like, I guess I, are we both highest on Atlanta? Maybe there. I mean, they have an all-star starter, right? And Trey young wouldn't be an all-star starter if he just took starters from the entire league, but uh, he's the best player out of the, and maybe, maybe towns, like maybe we put towns ahead of so, Trey young. Uh, so the thing with Minnesota and why, like, if we're trying to pick a team to like, this is the one I think looks best for the future. Uh, man, I'm seeing so many shades of like what we went through here in New Orleans with Anthony Davis, where you have ownership panicking, even though he's what on like the first or second year of his extension. And like, you don't need to worry just yet, but they're kind of already feels like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what's sticking. And it like, I don't know, I'm just seeing this as like AD 2.0, where eventually they're just unless they get it right and get very lucky getting it right, which is tough to do. He's going to want out. And like, then the future there doesn't look all that good. Yeah, it, man, but they do have, they did pair him <laughs> with a friend, right? Like they did finally get a guy and they put somebody around. Yeah, him. Has that ever worked when you pair him with a friend? I mean, LeBron and Dwayne Wade worked pretty well. Yeah, but that was okay. That one's <laughs> different. That it's like, you weren't even in danger of like Dwayne Wade leaving. And it was like, oh, we got to, you know, you bring in his buddy who's not as good as him. Um, the Pels kind of did it with, um, DeMarcus Cousins a little bit. I saw it with Chris Paul here too. That at one works. point. The DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis one. No, worked. it did. Just, it, it was just, just an injury and it was unfortunate. Um, man, it, my like first year covering the team when it was still Chris Paul in his final year here, they traded for uh, Jared Jack to try and make Chris Paul happy because it was a friend of his. And it was like, really, that's what's going to get him stay, to stay, Jared Jack. And it didn't. So I never like believe in this stuff when you bring in their buddy who's – now, D'Angelo Russell's a little bit different than Jared Jack, but you get the larger point I'm trying to make. Jared Jack was the best point guard that Kristaps Porzingis ever played with before he came to the Mavericks. So. <laughs> he went on. 
Calderon. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So there you go. So we like some of these teams, but man, I thought we were going to be positive about them. And then talking about it, it's like, yeah, I don't feel that. The other thing is, I, I just don't know enough about the draft right now. I haven't done enough work on it. I'm, you know, locked on Mavericks. We don't have a super high pick, and I haven't done a lot of draft research. We just recently put out a poll. Um, with our locked on host of who the top 14 players on the draft board are. Uh, and none of them are like jumping off the page at me. None so, like, any at of these, all. Any of these teams with big picks, like no one's getting a Zion. I don't know if anyone's getting a John ja Morant even. Uh, and so that, that doesn't really help any of these teams move up and make me excited about their future either. No, that's fair. And uh, you've got to kind of factor in some of the future pick situations. Like Minnesota still basically got that Warriors pick, but they lose one of their own. That maybe does help their future a little bit. But if Golden State's good next year, you know, in the few subsequent next three, four years, it kind of lessens that as well. So you've got to kind of project that from that aspect. Like if New York can actually be competent in the front office and who's running everything, like in theory, they have a lot of assets and ammo to make a run at various different situations. So they should be good. But yeah, it's the Knicks. So who knows? which I love making fun of the Knicks. So that's probably the best spot to end, <laughs> to end the show here. So thank you all for listening on Wednesdays. I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm Nick Angstead, at Nick Van Exit on Twitter. You can also follow the Locked On Mavericks podcast every single day, talking about Luca and Porzingis. Also, follow Locked On NBA Net on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I run those accounts. Appreciate everybody that goes and follows those. Locked On NBA Net. Those are fun, too, because we're doing some really cool things and kind of putting all of our minds together as hosts to come up with some great things. Tell us what you think. Who are your top 10, top 15, top 20 guys coming up in this upcoming NBA draft? So that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next week.